Amen, amen. So John chapter number six, we're going to be getting down into verse uh, number 57 is where we're going to be beginning at tonight. What we're looking at uh, is, is the word of God and the place that God has in our lives. As, as we were discussing earlier, uh, you can see the, the spiritual integrity or the spiritual hunger of a church by their desire to go deeper in the word of God. The, the less that we desire the word of God, you cannot say that you're growing in godliness. The growing in godliness and growing in the word of God, they go hand in hand. They are partnered. They are uh, together on this. And any time a, a move of God is happening, God's going to be moving on his people in prayer. He's going to be moving on them in the spirit, but he's going to be opening up the word of God unto them. Amen. And so we're, we're going to pick up this passage in verse number 57. Uh, Jesus said, as the living father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Now, we, we understand that he's not talking about literally eating his flesh. We're talking, he's talking about those that come to him, those that feast on him, those that find their sustenance at the feet of Jesus. When, when, when he is who you go to, for the substance in the carrying out of your life. That's when you've begun to eat of him, and, and it obviously is implying believing the record or the testimony of who he is and what he's done. But notice verse number 58. He said, this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Jesus right here is declaring that he is the manna of life or the bread of life. He is the one who provides all that you need for your spiritual life. And those that eat or partake of him, those that belong to him, those that are in close communion to him, those that come to him will live and not die. Praise the Lord. The, the, the living and not dying means that when your mortal body expires, your spiritual body's going to launch out like a bottle rocket and it's going to go past the stars. It's going to go all the way to the throne room of God. And Paul said instantly, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You, you're, not, you're not even going to have time to get whiplash in the spirit. You're just going to be immediately in the presence of God Almighty. We were talking about this earlier this morning. How amazing is it that we can be worshiping God in church and in one moment somebody could have a heart attack and in one second of time they could be in this church and then in the throne room in the same second. Oh, how amazing is God that he translates us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And those, those that belong to God, those that feast on him, those that hunger for him, he said they will not die. He said your fathers ate manna in the desert and they're dead. Because, you know, he always had to take things and explain to them to think about things in a spiritual manner. Everything that these Pharisees were looking at was always the physical. Well, what do I got to do? When do I got to do it? How much do I got to do? When do I got to do it? It was always about the physical, and Jesus was constantly trying to get them to look past the here and now, past the temporal, and to those things that are eternal. And he's trying to get them to see that he is the eternal, and he, he says it he, uh, later on, he's the I am. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Is that not what he said? And you know, by, by declaring he is the I am, he is declaring that he's always existed. I am. He's never not been. He always has been. He is, and he always will be. He is the great I am. Amen. He's the one that spoke to Abraham, the one that spoke to Moses. He's the one that spoke to Joshua, and he's the one that created you. He formed this world, and then he spun it. Amen? He spun it like a basketball player spins a basketball. 
flung it, and that's when time began. But he existed outside of time. But he said, look, I am the manna, right, from heaven. See, the, 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 the fathers of the Pharisees out in the desert, they were hungry, they were complaining. They said, Moses has done, did it now. He led us out here, and we're going to die in the desert. And God provided supernaturally for their physical needs. Every morning they woke up, God had a gift for them, their daily need. Do you know that God, God is good to you too? And he provides for your daily need too? Amen? And, and, and see, here's the thing. God provided for them, and they even complained about that. And how many of us, right? This house not good enough for me no more. This car is not good enough for me no more. I heard a minister on a radio show one time. He said, don't be pulling up to my church in a hoopty. See, you're not satisfied with what God's provided? You got a major problem. You've got a major problem. You're looking too closely at the things that are temporal. You're getting too focused on the things that are here today and gone tomorrow. As the Lord Jesus said, those are the things that moth and rust destroy. But the things that are eternal, robbers cannot touch. And Jesus is eternal. That means robbers can't touch him. <laughs> so here's something that I want you to see as we get into this tonight. Is he's comparing himself to manna from heaven. How is he manna? Because you don't literally eat his body. How is he manna? Because he's relating this to the fact that they daily had to get up and take their portion. Jesus is the word of God made flesh, isn't he? John 1 verse 14. He's the word manifest in flesh. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the what? The only begotten of the father. We saw him. We handled him. He's the word of God made flesh, the word of God. So he's equating the word of God with the manna of God. He's telling us that if we desire to live and not die, if we desire to go forward spiritually, we've got to go to him. He, the word of God, the son of God, we've got to go to him with a relentless pursuit. We've got to go to him for our sustenance. We've got to go to him to understand the spiritual understanding. Man, man cannot understand the mind of God, but we've been given the mind of Christ, the mind of a servant. We don't have the mind of God. We have the mind of Christ. It is the spirit of God that understands the things of God. And that's why you need that spirit of God. But notice what he says. He said this manna is what he is. And so he's directing us to come to him and eat. Amen. Oh, how few, how few go to him and eat? How few go to him and eat? I remember one time in my life, somebody was uh, bringing a teaching I thought was not right. And I, I decided I'm, I'm going to dust off my Bible. I'm going to prove them wrong. And you know what? I ended up getting saved. <laughs> but how sad was it that the manna from heaven, God's holy word, was sitting in a closet growing dust bunnies. And the whole time in my life, those answers that I sought for, those things that I needed, the freedom that I desired because I was enslaved in sin and the chains of bondage were wrapped around me and I could not breathe. But yet it was God who made me free. And, and, and you see, the whole time, those, that which people need is found in Jesus. He is the bread of life. They need Jesus. You need Jesus. We need Jesus. The church needs Jesus. It is when the Bible is an afterthought that we get in on the wrong direction. This is why it's so important to have the word of God. This is why churches need to turn the lights on. You got to turn the light on so you can read the word of God yourself because people will deceive you. But the word of God is pure. Proverbs 30 verse 5. The word of God is pure and it will lead you and guide you into all truth.
truth. Now, one thing that I want to, to point out as we get into this tonight is that the, the, one of the main problems we get into is we get a laxed attitude when it comes to the manna of God. A, 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 a person who calls themselves a believer but is not partaking daily of the manna that God provides for them is spiritually anemic. You cannot grow in the spirit and not grow in the word of God. If you believe that you're growing in the spirit, but you've set the word of God to the side, you are deceived. You're just a hot air balloon full of hot air. But it's when you're moving in the spirit and the word of God is there, it's not hot air that's filled you, but the Holy Ghost that's filled you. Because the Holy Ghost will confirm the word of God in your life. But the manna from heaven is Jesus. And he said, come to me, right? Didn't he even say in Matthew 11, he said, come to me, what? All you who are what? Weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, the spiritual rest is a place that people long to get to, but they don't know how to get there. Without the word of God, they'll never get there. And one of the saddest realities in American Christianity is that we have shut the Bible. We have shut the Bible and we turned the lights down in the church to the point where all we see is smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors will tickle the flesh, but it will not sustain the soul. The soul needs the true bread from heaven. And this is, this is where we have to get into that place where we got to think back about those, those uh, Israelites out there in the desert they, day after day. Do I got to go back and eat manna again? When our attitude starts shifting toward, away from the word of God, we need to go to altars. We need to run to the altar and get our hearts right because something has gone awry. Our flesh has done sprung up. We done sprung a leak and we need the Holy Ghost to help us. When that hunger and that thirst for the word of God begins to empty and run out and we set it to the side, we've got a major problem, amen? As they, as they say, Houston, we got a problem. Houston, we got a problem because there's no, and you got to do that evaluation in yourself like we were talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Examine yourself to see if you be in the faith, isn't it? 13.5. Examine yourself. You've got to take that daily inventory and say, God, am I growing in you or pulling back from you? Am I, am I just treading water? Am I doggy paddling spiritually or am I getting in deeper places? Am I growing? Amen. And the, the manna from heaven is what we all need to sustain us. And you might say, well, well, you know what? Every time I read the word of God, I just, I don't get anything out of it. Well, did you ask the Lord to open your eyes and your heart first? Did you ask, did you take the time to stop and say, God, I need your anointing so that I can read and understand your word because you said your book is a spiritual book these are spiritual words and we have to discern them spiritually and you see you can read the same verse 20 different times and get a whole new revelation each time and each revelation will always point to the cross god's amazing like that his well doesn't run dry See, the problem, though, in, 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 in our churches, a lot of the, the problem is, is we don't have the stomach for the Word of God. We don't have the stomach for the Word of God. I was talking about earlier, I was listening to a minister, and he said, you know what? He said, if, if Jesus is not wonderful, he was talking to preachers. He said, if Jesus is not wonderful, you have to be clever. He, mean, he means the flesh. If Jesus is not truly wonderful, you have to be clever. But if, listen, if Jesus is wonderful, you won't be clever. If Jesus is wonderful to you, you will just be so in love with him, partaking of him and pointing people to him. The best thing that ministers can do is get out of the way. Remove the distractions. The best thing ministers can do is, is remove the distractions and point you to the Bible. Point you to the word of God. Amen? 
point you to the word of God because Jesus is wonderful. And once you get a vision of how wonderful he is, man's cleverness will sicken your stomach. Oh, man is clever. We, I've seen people, they got little uh, smoking mirrors on the wall. Makes it look like the, the spirit of God's hovering in the back of the sanctuary. They got all kinds of crazy stuff right now. You got to be clever these days to keep up with the Joneses. But the amazing thing is, is that God never changes. He's the same God that fell on the church in the upper room on, on the first Pentecost Sunday. He's the same God. And he operates the same way. And guess what? The word of God has never changed. The spirit of God is still operating the same way. He always has. God hasn't retired. Jesus hasn't retired. And the Holy Spirit hasn't retired. You know who has retired? The church. That's who's retired. The preachers and the church. They all retired. That's why we got to be clever in our churches. That's why we got to turn down the lights and turn up the smoke. But what we really need is the fire of God. What we really need is a move of God. What we really need is the spirit of God in the church again. Amen. See, the spirit of God might have written Ichabod on our churches, but we covered it up with the smoke machine. <laughs> we don't want no one to know. But the reality, the reality, and I'm kind of being silly, but the reality of the matter is, the reality is, if Jesus is not wonderful, you've got to keep up your cleverness. Amen? You've got to keep up the cleverness. Here's the deal. The, the wonder of who Jesus is is found in that daily bread coming to him and partaking of his nature falling in love with him on a daily basis, coming to him for your daily needs, going to him with those burdens of the soul, going back to him and saying, Lord, I need you again. Here I am again, standing in the need of prayer. Amen. And you know what's wonderful is Jesus is the one who prays for you. You might say, I need someone so to pray for me. You call up our church. You can get on our prayer list anytime, right? But you know who's on, you know who runs a better prayer list than our church? Jesus. Jesus is the one that intercedes for us, isn't he? The Bible says he intercedes for us day and night. He's at the throne interceding for you. You're already on the prayer list. You're on the one in heaven. Amen. If God's working in your life, I want you to know it's because Jesus is praying for you. Amen. He's wonderful, and you need to go to him. You need to go to him and partake of him, partake of his goodness and his mercy and his love and his truth that makes you free. Oh, and his power. But you know, like I said, it's not, it's not God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit that's retired. It's us. We, we, we have retired. One, one way that we retire is by not partaking daily of the word of God. I remind you one, one example, the apostle Paul was writing um, to the church. You remember the Bereans? Paul commended them because the Bereans tested what he said with the word of God. They were so intimately acquainted with the word of God. They were feasting on it. They were thriving on it. And they were commended by the Holy Spirit through the apostle Paul because they held everybody's feet to the fire of the Holy Ghost. Whatever anybody said, they, they, they looked at it by scripture standards. And if it didn't meet up, they tossed it out. Amen. That's how we should be with anybody. Problem is, we don't know the word of God. Problem is, we don't feast on it. We, we, we have a casual relationship, amen, with the word of God, which is the bread of God, which is the life of God. Let me show you something in, in uh, Proverbs chapter number 19. Proverbs chapter number 19. And we'll go down to verse number 15. There is 
an issue we need to look at in the church, in the church in general, but it's also in our own lives. Proverbs 19, verse 15. See, a lot of times, a lot of times we, we, we are quick or we can be quick to point our finger at other people. Amen? Isn't it easier to point out the, the, the speck in other people's eyes than the log in your own? It takes the spirit of God to focus on that speck in your eye first. But a lot of times it's easier to focus on other people's faults. And a lot of times we can look at the spiritual condition of our nation, the spiritual condition of the church, and you can just see, man, we are fleshly, we're vain, we're this, we're that. But guess what? We're all part of the church. We're all part of the church. This is why, this is why I believe that God is moving in a, in a move of prayer right now. I believe God is opening up the prayer meetings right now. I mean, he is doing a deep work in prayer. Because that's the beginning place where God puts that conviction on us, on the church at large, where he begins to, to change. This is, I mean, the nation, whenever, whenever Israel got off course, God said, if you, my people, right, will humble themselves, remember that? Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. What's that other word? Repent. What would, it, what would God say? He said, then I'll hear not when you bellyache. Look, they had all kinds of issues. Whenever they turned away from God, they had issues. Anytime anybody turns away from God, they start getting themselves in the wrong relationships, in the wrong places, and doing the wrong things. So they had gotten themselves in a bind. How many of you know what it's like to get yourself in a bind? They had gotten themselves in a bind, and we do too. The difference is, they took God's word, 2 Corinthians seven fourteen, to heart. Whenever I get myself in a bind, I know what to do. I know what to do. I need to seek his face. I need to pray. I need to repent. I need to do these things. I need to turn from my sin. And God will hear, and God will heal. But we've got to first start out by praying. So anyways, it's easy to look at the spiritual condition and not, and not apply it to our own lives, but we have to apply it to our own lives, as I was saying um, earlier, is that you, you may not see revival break out at large, but as A.W. Tozer said, you can personally experience revival yourself beginning now. There is nothing stopping you from pressing in and getting in a revival spirit right now. God is open for business. You can't make nobody else desire God. You can't make nobody else hunger and thirst for God, but you can. You can get so on fire for God, you might even rub shoulders with somebody else. They might start getting on fire for God too. But there's nothing stopping you from getting excited about God. There's nothing stopping you from getting and seeking God. There's nothing stopping you from turning off Jeopardy, turning off the ball game. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. Except for you and me. We stop ourselves. As he, Galatians chapter 5, the Bible says that the flesh and the spirit, they're at a tennis match with one another. They're, they're at war. They're a war. They're an enmity. They lust one against the other, the flesh and the spirit. There is an epic battle going on in your soul. And when we're not walking, when we're not a living revival, we know who's winning. Every time we start getting excited, that flesh starts rising up. Who do you think you are? Everybody's laughing at you. Nobody else is clapping. Nobody else is excited. Nobody else is going to Bible study. Nobody else is doing this. Nobody else is doing this. So what? Just say, so what? I want to. I want God. I want God to move in my life. I want more of God. I've had enough of the world. I've had enough of my flesh. I know me. I know the world. They both are rotten. I want God. I want God to move in my life. Amen? 
But you know, a lot of times we get into a place where we're just content, content with our lot. Amen. Watch this. In, in, did I tell you Proverbs 19, 15? Okay, look at this. Slothfulness cast into a deep sleep and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Do you remember what the Lord said in, 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 um, in Matthew chapter 5 in those Beatitudes? He said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And you see right here, you see that a slothful and, and an idle individual will always be hungry and never be filled. There will always be a deep longing and unsatisfaction in the soul. There will always be something missing till we get to the point when we're no longer slothful, no longer idle, but pressing inward and pressing onward and going forward in Jesus Christ. Until we develop that hunger and thirst for he and he alone, we will hunger and not be satisfied. That's a sad place if you think about it. I mean, it's a sad place to be hungry and not be able to eat. And you see, the, the, the church in America is starving spiritually and it is consuming everything under the sun except for the one thing that it desperately needs, which is the pure, unadulterated, unchanged, unfiltered word of God. Because it's the word of God, it is the word of God that will change lives, that will set the captives free. It's the word of God that people need. That's what people need. When, when you go to someone and they are seeking direction, you point them to the word of God. Let the word of God, let them see it in the word of God themselves because it's the word of God. It's not just a book. It's not just black and white words. The word, it says in Hebrews 4.12, Amen is quick it is quick and powerful it means that that word quick means it makes things come to life you got people in your life that are dead spiritually you got people in your life that are slothful and idle spiritually give them point them to the word of god it is quick and powerful that's what God uses to bring conviction in the soul. That's what God uses to open blind eyes. That's what God uses to convince people of their desperate need for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what God uses to convict people of their sin and that they would run to Jesus and get saved. That's where we see the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he's God in the flesh and his death, burial, and resurrection. It's the word of God. And so we see here that, that someone who is slothful and idle, they're going to have a desire. Everybody's got a desire. Even those Israelites, think back what Jesus was talking about. In the desert, they were hungry. They were hungry, but you know what? It got to a point when that manna just wasn't good enough no more. They started wanting something more. God just about shoved it down their throat. Oh, that's what you want? I'm going to give it to you to a point where you get tired of that too. You know what? The grass isn't always greener on the other side, is it? Maybe we just need to start watering our own grass. You see, the, the amazing thing about the word of God is, is that it, it will sustain you no matter what the condition of your life is. It will sustain you when you're in prison or when you're in the palace. The word of God will sustain you when you're on the outs with everybody else or when everybody else loves you. The word of God will bring life to you even when you're in a dead place. It's the rose of Sharon. You know what the rose of Sharon is? It blooms where nothing else will bloom. That's what the word of God does. Go back to, go back to Mark chapter 4. It, the, the word of God, that's what the sower went out and sowed. 
It wasn't because he just, you know, he sowed different kinds of seed. It was the same seed. The word of God is what Jesus said. And that's why the enemy will come at you when you get around the word of God. That's why you need the spirit of God to lead you and guide you. Now, notice what he says about idleness. I just wanted to key in on idleness. Idleness, simply put, is, is not, it's not not doing nothing. Idleness is not laziness. Idleness is going through the motions. Or, or running in place is how I would say it. That's being idle. You ever stop at a stoplight, you know, and your car idles? It's not going nowhere. It's not going anywhere. How many people got a testimony like that? It's spiritually, they're not going nowhere. They're not developing. They're not maturing in Christ. They're not growing in the spirit. They're not moving onward in the Lord. They're just stuck in this place. The reason that we get stuck in a certain place is because we lose our appetite for the word of God. When we lose our appetite for the word of God, we'll get stuck and we'll get idle. The only thing that can take you out of spiritual idleness is spiritual hunger. Spiritual idleness is a, is a, is a rut. I love what Sister Maudie said. It's the grave with the ends kicked out of it. You're going to rot in that rut unless you get into a revival. Unless the Spirit of God revives you, you will rot right where you're at if you stay idle. It's only when you begin to get a hunger and a thirst for God's Word again. When you desire Him more than anything else. Do you remember a time in your life when you couldn't wait to get home so you could get in your word and read some more? Do you remember a time in your life when you couldn't wait to get to church so that you could hear some more about Jesus? Do you remember those times in your life when you just hungered and thirst for more and you were just soaking it in? And then do you also remember those times in your life when you were bored out of your mind? Which is hopefully not tonight. But do you remember those times in your life when you just, you know, it, just, it was just like reading the sports section of the newspaper. It didn't mean nothing to you, right? What's the difference? The difference is spiritual hunger. That's the difference. And you know what the Lord said? I'll relate it spiritually, but he said it physically through the apostle Paul. He said, those that don't work don't get to what? Eat. Those that don't work don't get to eat. Now think about that spiritually. Cultivating hunger for God. You want to eat? You want to go deeper? You want more of him? Cultivate that desire. How do you cultivate it? Remove barriers. Remove barriers. If you was hungry, if you was hungry and you expected God to, to provide for you, wouldn't you break out your plates, get your fork ready, get your napkin on your shirt, there's nothing in the cupboard, but God said he's going to, right? Same way with the word of God. Prepare ye the way. It doesn't say everyone else is going to prepare the way for you. Did it? Is that what John the Baptist said? Remember Luke chapter three, John the Baptist, prepare ye the way. That means each individual person needs to make room for God. All right, Lord. I'm tired of being where I'm at. I'm going to turn off the TV and seek your face. Woo, that person right there just hit a spiritual hunger spot. They started getting out of that rut that they've been in. You see that? It's a hunger. I, I, don't, I don't want to be where I'm at right now. I want to go deeper. I want you. I want to get back into that place. Listen, Jesus said, look, remember what he told that church in, in Revelation? He told them to repent. He told them to repent and return to their first work. No. He said, repent and return to your first job. No, 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 no. Repent, return to your first love. Your first love has to be Jesus. When you got saved, when you got filled with the Spirit of God, you was so in love with Jesus, nobody could wipe the smile off your face. 
He said, get back to that place. Get back to that place. Do what you got to do to cultivate that hunger and thirst for God. So you've got to remove this. So you've got to add that. So you got to stop doing this or start doing that. Whatever it is, let the Lord lead you. Let the Spirit of God move upon you. Let him lead you to go deeper. And once you, once you say yes to the Lord, he will. He will. God's amazing like that. See, God doesn't require you to, to pass a test. He requires you to hunger. Hunger. Say, I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of being empty. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of not having God in my life. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. You know what? Jesus won't turn you away. I, I, love, I love Leonard Ravenhill, which most people that listen to, um, you know, these sermons, they know. I usually break out a Ravenhill quote about every other sermon. But he said one time, he said, you know, somebody's going to come along one day. They're going to not know nothing. They're going to pick up a Bible, and they're actually going to believe every word in it, and they're going to turn the wor world upside down. See, you don't have to have a, a, a post-hole digger degree. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew. You don't have to do this and you don't have to do that. It's a hunger. Just take God at his word. Just believe what he said and desire him. And God will take you further than you've ever dreamed of. He'll take you further than the smoke and mirrors of the church today. He'll take you to a place He'll take you to a place where you are literally communing with him, the creator of the universe. He'll take you to a place where nothing else will satisfy your soul because you done, you've done hit pay dirt with the Lord of glory. You've done come into a, a living relationship with the Lord who sought you and bought you. You've done come into contact with the living God. Once you do that, the smoke and the mirrors won't do it no more. But this idleness that we're looking at here, this idleness is, is just running in the motions. It's running in the motions. It's being in a rut. Being in a rut. Empty motions. And what does it take to get out? Spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger. You, you know, when you get into a place like that, you, you, you start looking at everything else under the sun. And, and, and one, of the, one of the first things that people do is they start trying to um, add works of the flesh in it. Works of the flesh will never bring you right. It's only a spiritual thing. It's only a spiritual thing. It, it is a hunger spiritually that God's looking for in our lives. Um, let's go over to John chapter 6 real quick. John chapter number 6. Look at verse number 33. It's still talking about that same thing. Jesus said in verse number 33, the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. You know what? We, we always make fun of the folks in the Bible that ask questions like that, don't we? But when was the last time we got down on our knees and said, God, evermore give me this bread? When was the last time we got, we got on our face before God and said, God, I need you more today than I've ever needed you in my life? You should need God more daily. Don't be, de don't be depending on your works and your goodness. Don't be comfortable. Grow. And they said, Lord, evermore give us this. Evermore. When was the last time we even prayed that? See, we always make fun of these kinds of questions that people have. And yet, that's commendable. Church would be in a lot different place today if more people cried out, Lord, evermore, give me that bread. Evermore, God, 
Please, Lord, don't let me be satisfied with the filth of this world. Please, Lord, don't let me be satisfied with the way of this world. Don't let me be satisfied with where I'm at, Lord. Don't let me be satisfied with what I've had. But, Lord, create in me, create in me a clean heart, a new heart. Amen? Create in me, right? Lord, do it again. Create that hunger in me, God. Evermore, give me this bread that I need. And look what Jesus says in the next verse. It's beautiful. You get, you get a question like that, and look at the answer you get. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You see, that, that goes and coincides with exactly what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And right here, you have a fulfillment of it. He said, I am the bread of life. You come to me, you hunger for me, you'll be filled. You thirst after me, I'll fill you. It's an amazing thing that the Lord does. Amazing. Is that he fulfills all those that come to him in a meek and humble heart. Now, one of the things that we see is that he, he says, I am the bread of life. And one thing I want to point out before we move on to our, our last verses, I want to just point this out is please do not allow anybody, anybody to distract you from the bread of life. The bread of life is what you need. If you think you need something else, you are being deceived by the enemy. You think you need to go to some conference and get some man to lay hands on you? You've done got deceived. The bread of life is not in a man's hands. The bread of life is not in a man's voice. It's in the God man, Jesus Christ. And when you receive him and hunger for him and remove things out of your life to go after him, he'll fill you. He'll give you more than you need daily. He correlates this to the manna that Israel ate in the desert. You should live as a child of God in a barren land. You're a pilgrim. You're supposed to be a pilgrim. This world's not your home. You're supposed to live just like they did in the desert, looking for that continuing city. This world is not my home. I'm going to a place that God's done prepared for me. He said in John 14 that if he went away, he was going to prepare a place for us. He was building a mansion for us. He said, and if I go away, I'm going to come back for you. Amen. He said, if I go away, I'm going to come back for you, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. So this world's not our home. We're just passing through. And our job from this day to that day is to eat that manna on a daily basis. Come to him. And when we, when, when we start feasting on the world, we should start getting convicted and get back to our first love. Amen? Because he's the bread of life. He's the bread of life. But he also said at the end of this verse, I want to pick up something and we'll go to John 7. But look at this at the end. He said, he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So number one, if you come to him, you won't hunger. But if you believe on him, you won't thirst. The coming to him is the removing things out of your life. That's, you know, I always say this because of the, the condition of our nation, but it's the turning off of the TV. The coming to him. It's, it's going to church, opening up your Bible, presenting yourself to him, getting on your knees before him. Giving yourself to him, just coming to him and then believing on him is, like we said earlier, is embracing the record or the testimony of who he is. Believing that he is God in the flesh. Believing that he is the Lord of glory, the great I am. Believing that he, the one who died on the cross, existed before the universe did. Before there was nothing, he was there. He's the Lord of everlasting from eternity past. That's before time began. 
to eternity future. That's after time ends. He's always existed. That's why he said his name was I am. Meaning there's never be a time, never has been, never would be that he did not exist. And so the, the believing is the embracing of the testimony or the record of who he is. Believe the gospel. Believe that he died on the cross for your sins. That God looked down on you and God so loved you. Don't you love that? He so loved you that he was moved or compelled to become a human for 33 years and allow the blood of Emmanuel to be shed on the cross in your place and my place. We, we always think about, you know, they plucked out his beard, they beat him, but, you know, just thinking about the Lord of glory coming to this rotten earth and living among rotten folks, he came unto his own and his own what? Received him not. In thinking about that, the, the theologians, they call it the, the, the uh, he condescended himself. He condescended himself. He be, it'd be like you, you know, if you had the power to become a slug and living with slugs, but on a much grander scale. I would never do that. But if you love those slugs so much, you might. And, 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 and so the Lord, the Lord came and he bought us with his own blood that he shed on Calvary. And then he went back to heaven after three days. And the Bible said he's coming back. Well, that's what you believe. He said, if you believe on me, you believe my record, you'll never thirst. You'll never start going after nothing else if you'll just hang on to that gospel. You know, one of the things that, that God told uh, Joshua through Moses, he said, meditate on my word, what? Day and night. And you will what? Make your way prosperous. God will go before you and, and, and just clear the path in front of you. But your job is to meditate on his word day and night. What that means, that's not, that is not emptying your mind and humming. That is, not, that is not godly meditation. Godly meditation is taking the word of God and thinking it over and thinking it over and thinking it over and letting it hit and affect your heart, your soul, and your mind. Meditating on it is just consuming and living on that word of God. And he said, if you'll believe it, you'll never thirst. You'll never thirst. Now, we're not talking physically. We're talking spiritually. We're talking a soul thirst. You'll never, you'll never be thirsty spiritually. You'll never need something that you don't already have. God will be all that you need when you get to that place where you come unto him and when you truly believe the record of who he is. Now turn one chapter. One chapter over. Go, to, go with me to John chapter number seven. We're going to close in this verse right here. We, we're just going to continue this thought about thirsting right here. So John chapter number seven, and look at verse number 37. It says it in verse number 37, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. And, and, and if you know that feast, this was pretty big to do. This, this is a, a lot of revelation coming in this. But he, he stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Isn't it amazing that he didn't require anybody to sow a $1,000 seed? Come on now. Let's bring it up to today's Christian world. 
Isn't it, an, isn't it amazing that he said, if you're really thirsty, sow a $250 seed and you'll be fine for two, 250 days. Isn't it amazing? He didn't tell them to sow a seed. Isn't it amazing he didn't tell them to, to you know, put money in the coffer? But what did he tell them? Come. Come. Come unto me. In other words, Jesus takes all the middlemen out. You know, you don't need a middleman. You can go straight to the Lord of glory yourself. You don't need a middleman. He came to you. He came to you. Religion teaches you need a middleman. Jesus obliterates religion. Jesus turned religion upside down. Ask the money changers. He does. He turns religion upside down. They lost all their money. He didn't get the memo about the sowing the seed, getting rich. He turned all that stuff upside down. So he said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. If you will come to me and drink, listen, if you come to me and drink, look what he says. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You know what? That well never runs dry till you stop drinking. Ooh. That well will never run dry if you'll just keep coming back to it. You're not going to exhaust that well. You can keep digging. You can keep pulling those buckets of living water out and out and out and out the more you just simply going back to that first love, going back to that place of being intimate with God, going back to that place where he is the main thing, where he reigns as the king and Lord of your life, believing his testimony, amen, embracing who he is. And he said, when you believe on me, when you thirst, he, he said those rivers of living, water gonna rise up rise up that living water that's the spirit of God you done you've done touched the Lord of glory and the spirit of God will just begin to rise out of you you won't need to run to anybody else you won't need to run to some books or some DVDs or some conference you won't need to go to a middleman because you will have touched God himself through your high priest, Jesus Christ. And when you go to him and you thirst after him, he said, you will have hit the well that never runs dry. And those living waters will begin to rise and billow out of your soul. It'll begin to, to come from the inside. And I love that old song. He said it started on the inside and it worked its way to the outside. God just started bubbling up on the inside and you just, you just began to open your mouth and the Holy Spirit just began to move and speak through you. He said it only happens when you come to him thirsty. You see, if, if the things of the world or the things of this life can, can affect you and satisfy you to a degree, you're not thirsty for him. Too many of us, we find who we are in the eyes and the adoration of the world when we're supposed to find it at his feet. Come unto me, he said. Come unto me. Come unto me and drink. In other words, don't be idle. In other words, don't be idle. Come unto me and drink. Actually, actually commune with me. Actually receive me. Press into me. Lean on me. Lean on me. And look, just so there's no mistake, the, the Lord, whenever you see parentheses, that's the Holy Spirit making sure you understand something. You see a parenthesis in the Bible, that's the Holy Ghost directing whoever was writing so that you make sure you get it. It's really important over there in Acts chapter 12 too. 
but look here in, in verse number 39, he said, but this spake he of the spirit. So whenever Jesus was talking about these rivers of living water flowing out, you can list, you can read commentator after commentator after commentator, but the Holy Spirit put a commentary right there. Just so there's no mistake about it, the Holy Spirit, he, I think he knew what people would be thinking these days. So he just put this, he's, just so you know, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Receive. Tarry till you be endued with power from on high. So he said, they... Uh, they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. When did Jesus get glorified? When did he get glorified? Come on now. When did he get glorified? Acts chapter one. They were sitting there talking with him and he began to just lose gravity. Gravity just started leaking everywhere and he just started lifting off the ground and he went past the sky. He went past the clouds. He went past the stars. They couldn't see him no more. Where did he go? Back to glory. And those angels said, why are you looking up? He's going to come back the same way. He's going to come back the same way. Everybody's going to see him when he comes back. He said, why are you looking up? You need to go do what he said to do. He told you to go to Jerusalem and tarry till the Holy Spirit gives you the power that you need to live a faithful, consistent, holy Christian life so that you can give a testimony for who he is. See, without the Holy Spirit's empowering, you can't be a witness. And it's, it's when the Holy Spirit is operating in your life that you begin to be a witness for the Lord. That's the, that was the charge in Acts chapter 1. And last time I checked, still in the Bible. I know a lot of people believe the Bible's changing. Right? It's not changing. The word of God is settled. It's tried. It's true. It's pure. And it never changes. Because God never changes. His word never changes. Now, one thing about it, though, he said that this is the Holy Spirit which they had not yet received. This is important because when, when God is who we desire and we believe, and notice, notice the bridge, okay? Because Jesus is the one who baptizes in the Holy Ghost. But notice the bridge. The bridge is this. You got to believe on Jesus, then you receive the Spirit. That's the bridge. When you go to Jesus and you get satisfied with nothing of this life and Jesus is your everything, when you go to him and you drink, you thirst for nothing else but him. He said, rivers of living water will begin to rise up. That well that never runs dry. That's, that, that's the refreshing of the soul that we all need. And it only comes when you come to him. That's why he's the bread of life. That's why he's the living water. And that's why he's the one that baptizes in the Holy Ghost. Because look, he knows, God already knows that you can't live a Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Anybody that tries to live a Christian life without the Holy Spirit is going to get so frustrated. They, they're going to just throw their hands up. It, it's frustrating. It, it's like trying to drive a car with no gas. You try to live a holy life without being empowered by the Holy Spirit, you're going to become a legalist. But then again, if you try to do, you know, you try to bypass Jesus and just get the Spirit, you're going to become sloppy agape. You got to worship God in spirit and in truth. You got to have the Word of God guiding you and the Spirit of God empowering you. The Word of God guides and the Spirit of God empowers. And once you get both of those working together in conjunction, you become a vessel God can use in this generation to open eyes, to change lives, to testify that people can be born again and saved by the Spirit of God. That's the charge for the church. That's what we need to get back to. We don't need to be having planning councils about how to become more clever. We just need to get back to that place where Jesus is wonderful. 
We, we, we need to get back to that place where he's our everything, where we're in all. The wonder of the cross, the wonder of the cross, the wonder of our Lord, when that becomes all striking to us again, then, we'll, then we won't worry about how clever we are because the cleverness is the, is the flesh. But the Spirit beholds the wonder of the Lord of glory. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to hear your word tonight, God. I thank you for the people of God that are here, that are listening, and that are receiving your word. 